Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. So for those who don't know, my name's Tom. I'm one of the pastors here, along with this lady, who is my wife, called Ashley. Um, and last week, we celebrated turning a year old as a church. It's a year, it'd been a year since we were commissioned by the vineyard to be a church here in the Nen Valley. And we ate some cake and celebrated all that God had done. And actually, I forgot some of the things God had done. So just to quickly add those in, one of the things we did manage to do last year uh, was give 30 Bibles to Manor School. They're, they've got, this last year they'd appointed a new, what they call culture and ethics specialist, which is code for RE plus some stuff. Um, and the school had no budget for Bibles, so we gave them some Bibles. So um, that was the one thing I came home and thought, oh, maybe I should have shared that one. So, um, and this week we're gonna we want to look to kind of the year ahead and a bit beyond. In some church circles, this is called Vision Sunday. I care a lot less about calling it that because vision is a business thing, um, and the, the church is not just it's not a business. It has to operate like businesses in some ways at some times. Um, but I'm just yeah far less excited about that than I am seeing the kingdom of God come. So. Just to say, I think as a church, we're turning one, and there are some similarities between how, with the place we are at and an actual one-year-old. We have a 14-month-old uh, who you may hear chime in occasionally this morning from the back of the room in a loud, shrill voice. Um, the first is I think we're becoming familiar with one another. You know, a, a year at some point during the next year, uh, experts say that our a little girl will suddenly realize that she actually likes us. She will associate us and actually recognize that we are her people. And I think in some ways that's where we are. We talked last week about these kind of three groups of people that make up this church community here now, which is uh, people who have been here at Rawns for years, um, people who have been over with us in Wellingborough and Central Vineyard over there, and then a whole bunch of new people, which is wonderful. But there is a sense that we are beginning to recognize one another as each other's people. Uh, secondly, we are finding our place in the world, learning to walk, realizing there is this whole world to explore with our Father, and we want to do that. Um, though we want to be, learn to kind of figure out what it is to walk on our own two feet, we never want to be outside of his presence. Uh, and also that we are outgrowing some things. Uh, some of the things we've done for years, are the, if you like, the clothes that we've been given are no longer fitting, and we want to change some of those things up gently and slowly. Um, but I do want to start with, last week we shared something we have never really shared publicly before about how we almost moved to Weymouth and all that stuff. I want to unpack that a little bit more for you this morning, just, just to give you guys some context about us, because I recognize for some of you, we are still kind of new, uh, even though it's been a year, we're still kind of new. Um, so when we almost moved to Weymouth, that all stemmed from going on holiday to Weymouth, which is, is the only reason anybody really goes to Weymouth, I suppose. <laughs> is on holiday. It's a long way to go for just about anything else. Um, and whilst we, we were there, I just 
I was incredibly aware that, so Weymouth is a town of about 50,000 people. And in that town, there was one church that was thriving. The rest were all waning. And I would assume some of them have gone over the last three years. Um, and as we just looked around, so that whole stretch of coast is called the Jurassic Coast, uh, which is the most impressively named coastline in the world, I think. It sounds exciting. Um, watch out for dinosaurs, I'm told. Uh, they might come get you. Um, but that whole stretch from Exmouth on one end of a, to Swanage at the other is full of these communities in which the churches are dying, and if they're not already dead, they will die within a generation, likely. And there are no plans from any of the church denominations to plant churches in communities like that. And that was our heart, really, for moving there, that actually that if we would go and give ourselves to that cause and follow the leading of the Lord, um, that he might, we might see some long-lasting Jesus communities there. Now, as it was, I once heard an analogy of, um, or saw a picture of, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you towards something to get you off your backside and consider new things. I would, my, looking back on all of that, I would say that the Lord had to dangle a carrot in front of me to get me off my backside to come to him and trust him. So when we fell pregnant with Eden, Ash was really sick and unwell, and we realized that going to plant a church, you know, one and a half million miles away, may as well be, it's Weymouth, um, all on our own, with no support and all that, was probably going to kill us, um, and probably not the right thing to do. And as we prayed about it, we recognized it wasn't actually the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah, we... Our prayer has always been, Lord, we will go wherever you will send us. And when we said that, we assumed we'd go to some exciting places. Uh, Rawns is the furthest we've got. We like Rawns, but this is, this is as far as we've got. Uh, we were, we're born and bred in Northampton, so we've made it 20 minutes down the A45. Um, but um, when we were first asked to consider, you know, Sandra's looking to retire, we were asked to consider coming and succeeding her here. Um, the conversation we had with Stephen Tammy was, what, was it, what would it look like for the guys who are in Wellingborough and the guys who are in Rawns to come together? And we quickly realized that that would be like the Nen Valley because there is no other name for this area particularly. Um, and as I just we, just, we were just looking at it and praying about it, it struck me that along this stretch, there are a phenomenal amount of small towns for the, for the size of the area. You know, so Wellingborough will be about 100,000 people by the time they're finished making it twice the size it currently is. Um, Rushton's about 30,000 people. Rawns is about 10,000. Earthlingborough's about 10,000. Thrapson's about 10,000. Oundle is a little bit less than that, I think. There are all these towns and communities where um, we are aware that there are churches that will not exist in 10 years, 15 years. Um, unless God does something, God is totally welcome to come and do something, obviously. But the reason we were excited to come here, actually, was, and to come, and not just to come and, you know, it's all exciting, in reality, to come move our family, spend ourselves, you know, uproot everything that we know and come here, um, was in the, is in the hope that some of these communities where the church is, will cease to exist, 
that in those there might still be some spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians. And I don't think it's, you know, we talk, Vineyard is a church planting movement. We think that when you make disciples, you, you discover churches, that you have churches. And that's our heart, really. I don't know, we would say this, we don't know what it looks like. We are not some great saviors. We just want to be obedient to Jesus. And this is the thing that Jesus has put in front of us. Now, it might take 20 years or more. It, we might never see it happen. Jesus might do some other things. But actually, we come with a readiness and a willingness and a dependence upon him. Because we cannot do it. We'll talk about this some more. But, you know, we summarized this last year as he is our provision and he has provided. And actually, our, our belief and our trust in God is that he can do, you know, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Jesus is building his church. Um, as Jeremy shared, it's not buildings. The church is you and I. The good news is, actually, it's not us that builds the church. It's not you that builds the church. It's not us collectively that builds the church. Jesus builds the church. We just want to be obedient to him. So we've talked about uh, how we might reach and engage all these communities. And one thing we know for sure is that we aren't going to be able to make a plan to reach them all. Uh, there's no amount of programming in which our church can reach all these communities. Uh, this is only possible if one of us will wake up in the morning and try and listen to the Holy Spirit. As we've explored how best to describe what we see, we begin to think of a constellation of stars. The stars shine brightly in the darkness, but they don't just do that. They give light and they give life to the entire ecosystems of planets, dust clouds, asteroid belts, dwarf planets and so on. And as you look into the night sky, each star is unique. And this is the same for us. We are all unique. But we also know that each one of us knows different people. We have different neighbours, different workplaces, different social circles. The street you live on, I don't live on, unless you live on Marshalls Road. Um, and then we do live on the same street. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, is that we don't have the same neighbours, even if we do live on the same street. So some of you know, and I don't know, and so some of the people that you know, I don't know, and vice versa, but we each have a unique ecosystem, a unique journey with God for his plans and purposes. And yet we say we want to be a constellation of stars. Why not just a bunch of random stars? For thousands of years, seafarers have used constellations to find their way home across thousands of miles of ocean. And they look at the stars and they recognize, recognize shapes and images and began to name them. For example, the bear or Ursa Minor. And just like those seafaring finding their, seafarers finding their way home by the constellations, our hope is that we, um, as we commit to being drawn together into the image of Christ, that those who observe us would be drawn home to him. And we have to be careful because it's easy to be drawn out to do your own thing. Um, but there's an invitation to seek God for all of the, um, all of the Nem Valley. But he's building his church, not any of our names or our platforms or our ministries. So we need to resist the urge to become our own stars. And we're not saying you must do what we say. It's quite the opposite. <laughs> 
But the disunity of the modern church has to be one of the most confusing things for those of us who don't see, who don't know God. You know, we want to be drawn together into something that might just look like God. Jesus is the head of the church and he builds it. And as we shine for him and serve him, we will see the prodigals come home and the lost find him and so much more. And so we come to our vision statement. We want to be a people practicing the way of Jesus together. I don't know if it's up there. For the renewal of all the Nen Valley. So we're going to break that down a little bit. Practicing the way of Jesus. So this is not just to attend church, to behave like good Christians or anything like that, but just to commit to laying down our lives for one another, to doing our best to live out our lives as Christ did and recognizing that we'll never do it perfectly, but that he has grace and therefore we can have grace for one another. Together, this is vital. We cannot be formed in the image of Christ alone. We need each other to shape and encourage one another. And this is why Jesus builds his church and not just the disciples. And finally, for the renewal of the Nem Valley, so we believe that the end of the story of the Bible isn't one where we all get to sit on fluffy cows playing harps, which is great because mine would sound terrible, but one where God restores and renews all of creation as it was always intended to be in the Garden of Eden. We believe that, not, um, that as though it's not finished, we are to be a people made in the image of God who seek to bring God's kingdom come, his rule and his ways on earth everywhere, in every way, every day. And so, so we talked about some of that last year. You know, we, there is, in the vineyard, we often say everyone gets to play. And everyone gets to play doesn't apply just to Sunday mornings. The point of everyone gets to play is that each one of us, is, you know, we believe, can be filled with the Holy Spirit and do the works of the kingdom. Um, sometimes this gets called the royal, sorry, the priesthood of all believers, which is a more technical term. If you want to understand more of that, we haven't got time to go over it. This time last year, though, we started a whole teaching series. So the podcast, all the teaching stuff, there's weeks of it there. Um, and earlier this year, we also unpacked the story of God. So if, if the idea that we're not all going to a place filled with clouds and harps, like the Simpsons tell us, um, then I'd encourage you just to dip into that story a little bit. But our heart is for the Nen Valley, that each one of us would shine brightly for Jesus. Um, and actually, we think that if we commit to practicing the way of Jesus, we will be drawn towards one another, and we will form the image of Jesus. Because the reality is people need to see Jesus. Um, and one of the things we unpacked this last year was we want to give time to the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. Now, some of you, I say that, and you're like, that sounds terrible. Um, some of you are quite think it's great. My generation weren't really brought up with spiritual disciplines, by and large. Or spiritual disciplines equated to a memory verse on a Sunday morning, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the reality, we believe, is that each, each person in this room and everywhere in the world um, is being formed either into the image of Jesus or they are not. Those are your two options, into the image of Jesus, not. Uh, the idea that you can just float along and not be formed just doesn't add up. Everything around us is forming us, the way we think, the way we see things, the way we understand things, the way we relate to each other, the things that harm us, the things that offend us, the things that don't. All of these things that make up the way we are are the things that are forming us. 
And the reality is we want to be formed into the image of Jesus individually and collectively because there are hundreds of thousands of spiritually sick people across the Nen Valley. And that might not be the PC way to say it, but that is the reality. There are hundreds of thousands of spiritually sick people across the Nen Valley. And many of them, particularly in the younger generations, are asking questions about their spiritual health. And as Christians, we, have to, we hold to the belief that actually the answer is, is Jesus. And the most likely way people are going to see Jesus is in you and me, wherever we are. Now, there are stories from, I remember talking to friends who went on a mission trip to Turkey where the, the church was persecuted. And people would just walk up to them in the street saying, I had a dream about Jesus. Can you tell me about him? And if God does that, praise God. But I suspect that most people are only going to see Jesus if we put on Jesus. And if we don't shine brightly here, then who will? There is good news, though, that when Jesus calls us to make disciples, when he talks about you know, all the imagery that he uses within that, he does say this. He says that he will be with us always. And then he promises the Holy Spirit. And when I say there are hundreds of thousands of spiritually sick people, maybe that feels like a burden or like that is just too much for us to do. And yes, it is far too much for us to do. But the example that Jesus sets us isn't to try and solve all of the world's problems. The example that Jesus sets us is to see what the Father is doing and to join him in that. So... You know, we could make good plans, strategic plans. They might be the best plans anybody has ever come up with. But I don't want great plans. I want to know what God is doing and join him in his plans. John 5, 19, Jesus says this, The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. And as, this, as I was thinking this through, uh, this story from the scriptures came to mind. Luke 8, uh, from verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Here's what struck me in that story other than it's amazing. Jesus is, being, is surrounded by people to the point where he's presumably walking down the street and he's finding it difficult to get through. I don't know how many people that is. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, 100 people. How many problems are those 100 people going to have? I would suspect 200 problems. That's just a joke, by the way. My point is, a lot of problems. Some of you are like, how's he figured that out? I haven't figured it out. (laughs) In all of those problems, only one person was healed. We don't have the answers for why God doesn't heal everybody, do all that stuff. But Jesus' example is just to be available and do what he sees the Father doing. In that instance, he didn't even do what he saw the Father doing. The Father appeared to do it anyway. 
And if Jesus didn't pursue everything, didn't go for the shiny, new, exciting model or way of doing things, um, but instead chose to watch for what the Father was doing, then that is good enough for me. So we want to take seriously everybody gets to play. But for each one of us, the good news is we just have to do what God is doing around us and join him. It might be as simple as a conversation that you weren't expecting. It might be an opportunity to pray for somebody, to meet a need. We want to walk with the Holy Spirit, you know, and we want to see God's kingdom come. What do we mean by that? Well, when we talk about the kingdom of God coming, we're talking about God as king and all, of, and all that comes with that, his ways, coming and touching earth and seeing people healed and delivered and saved and all that stuff. And for some of us, that sounds terrifying because you think, I can't do that. And that is precisely the point. None of us can do that unless we partner with God to do it. So my answer when you say, I can't do that, is yes, you can. God is in the habit of using imperfect, unqualified, inexperienced, nervous, shy, terrified of other people, people, all the time. He doesn't ask for fearlessness. He just asks for availability. So, all that to say, as we look to the year ahead, here are just a few bullet points. Uh, in the next two weeks, we want to explore our next spiritual practice. So last uh, spring-ish, we started exploring the, the spiritual practice of silence. Um, and silence in prayer and reflecting and spending time in the presence of God without all of our list of agendas and stuff. This autumn, we want to engage with the spiritual practice of hospitality. And some of you say, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Uh, and I will say, you best come for a few weeks so we can explain it to you. <laughs> if I'm honest, I could give you a half-baked answer right now, which would just lead to more questions, which means we're all more busy, so I'm not going to do it. So I'll just keep going. Um, but hospitality is at the core of Jesus' message and imagery. And we think that there is some significant things the Lord will do amongst us if we would embrace hospitality. Uh, tied into that, we do want to make some changes to our groups. Now, I'm not going to say much here because, um, again, more questions, more confusion, la, la, la. We want to give more time to it than we can possibly do right now. Um, our small groups, just so you know, are groups normally of six to 20 people currently that meet in three blocks, three terms a year in people's homes or online or in a cafe or they go out for a walk or they do different things. But we think there's a, a bit of an invitation from the Lord to do, to do some things that we think will make a difference. I'll leave it at that. Mysterious. Uh, I'll leave that with you. But I never whisper it's more mysterious. Um, Anyway, I'm such a weirdo, yeah, I know, sorry. Um, but the, these changes will require us to embrace change. And one of the fundamental things about most human beings is we don't like change. Uh, those of you that do like change, uh, the oddballs, um, so I'm told. Don't tell that personally. I like change. I've just said I'm a wit. Just going to move on. I'm not offending anybody, sorry. Anyway, I'll give it, just going to give them all. So... A little bit about the year ahead. 
Um, so this last year, we partnered with a youth organisation called Suster um, and some other churches, which has given us loads of opportunity to share about Jesus in Manor School, which we're going to continue to do. Um, but since we've done this, we've begun a weekly culture and ethics club in school, um, which is a lunchtime club where the pupils are often encouraged to ask the big questions of life. And the heart of Suster Youth is to connect schools to their local churches. Um, and we want to explore this further. So if you'd like to get involved, please let us know and we'll connect you with them. Um, but they also have an amazing, uh, some amazing volunteer opportunities um, in both Prince William School and Bishop Stopford. Um, for those of you who might live close to those and want to get involved. Uh, next is that our, our children's ministry is growing, which is wonderful. So we seem to have about 30 consistently. I don't know how many, they look like a terrifying amount of children this morning. Uh, I don't know how many there are, uh, but I guess around the 30 mark again. And um, the way we currently do our kids ministry, that is an age group from three to 11, which is an age bracket that served as well, um, as we've kind of recovered from all the COVID stuff. But uh, we do want to invest in our kids well. Um, so the way things currently are, our sessions are a little more weighted towards the slightly older kids, which is, is great for them. The younger kids struggle a bit and then muck around and then everybody's stressed out. This is what I'm told is happening, more or less. There are kids like our, like Ada, who just is like, I'm bored now, I need to do some other stuff because she's not seven. She's four? Four. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and as we shared last week, a couple of the kids from Holiday Club are coming, which is unbelievably wonderful, and we want the Lord to send more. The challenge is um, they come on their own because of the way their, their homes are, family life is. They have no idea how to behave in, in church. Um, that's a terrible phrase, behave in church. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um, and that is creating challenges in and of itself. So um, we think that to do our best for all of our kids from three to 11 and with their different challenges and the ones that are quote-unquote well-behaved, all that stuff, um, we would really love to split our kids' ministry into two groups. So uh, a younger group, sort of three, four, five, and then some others. So we don't know quite when we're going to do this because the reality is we have to do it well. We have to take safeguarding seriously, uh, which is code for some of you. It would be really great if you'd be willing to volunteer for that. Um, just so that actually we are, we are protecting young people. We're doing um, the things that we should do as a church because a lot of the issues people have with Jesus aren't issues with Jesus. They're issues with the church doing safeguarding badly. Um, so we, we're hoping possibly November, possibly January. We don't quite know when. We would love to do that. It will require a little bit of investment. I'm going to do the finance stuff next week um, and a few more, as I say, a few more volunteers. Um, so... Please do chat to Liz in particular if you think you could give one Sunday a month um, to help us do that and invest in all of our children as best we can. Freedom in Christ. So for a few months now, we've had multiple conversations with some of you guys in this room um, about running Freedom in Christ courses. Um, this is a course that helps people find freedom from their past hurts, behaviours, spiritual ties. Um, and we want to take seriously the idea of people who don't know Jesus coming to faith um, using tools like Freedom in Christ. Um, if you have done Freedom in Christ before, that is awesome. Do it again. Because 
like God is like, we're all like onions. God peels back the onions in layers and layers and layers. Um, and having been in therapy myself for the last two years, it has been so good to break some of that stuff. And I'm probably going to get on this course as well. Um, do it again. The thing is, we don't entirely know how this is going to look yet because it's all very new. It's literally just conversations that we've been having. Um, so if this excites you, talk to us so we can begin to get it off the ground because it's, again, really, really important. Um, we'd also love to um, invest in CAP, Christians Against Poverty. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, finances in this country have just got interesting. Um, and globally, globally, this is an issue. So we are not to be a prophet of doom, but we're headed for recession. Um, it will be significant for people. Uh, you know, it does affect food prices. It does affect energy bills, all that stuff. For some people, they will see their new mortgage offer triple overnight. That'll be a problem for people. And so we think Christians Against Poverty, some of their budgeting stuff, but beyond that, some of the stuff that they centralise, like helping with debt management, all that stuff, could be a really significant way for the church to love people. Now, we don't know what that looks like. Carolyn is our, like, our guide on that a little bit. Um, it might be that we ask some people to do some training. We really don't know. But... Um, The church has been at its best often when it's tried to help the wider world where it hurts. And it's going to hurt this, this winter and beyond. Uh, we also want to get behind Team Challenge. Um, so Sally and Simon have spoken about Team Challenge before. Um, and some of the others in this room also, they all do an amazing work together um, through Team Challenge. Um, they work with the marginalised, people with addictions, the homeless, and many others in Wellingborough. Um, and as the colder months draw in, there's always need for coats, gloves, scarves, hats, sleeping bags, new pants, um, and warm socks. So we'd love to take a morning where we can collect those items um, for us all to give so that they have stock to give their friends over the winter. Um, and we're going to do that on Sunday the 16th of October. So bring along what you have, um, and we'll ensure it gets to them. Um, over the most, over the winter. Yeah. Um, and in, in amongst all this stuff, there is stuff obviously is carrying on. So Dr. Tart is one. We had another eight new kids or mums. Mums. Mums on Monday. Well, um, carers. Carers, okay. Um, so we want to carry on with that and see what the Lord would do with that. On that one, um, when we set up Dr. Tart, we set it up so that it's just a bunch of equipment that can go wherever. So if you live in somewhere that isn't Rawns and you rec and the Lord puts on your heart for that, don't think it's impossible. We have a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's the stuff Karen and the guys going into Rawns, large nursing home. Continue to pray for that. Um, the, um, you know, the world writes off people with dementia, but if anyone can do his best work, it's Jesus with them. Uh, breathe, we're going to bring Breathe back this month, which is our evenings of worship and prayer. Um, with some of the worship guys helping to shape that and um, just put some energy into it. Uh, do join us Sunday morning prayer. I bring this up because we often don't publicize this very well. From 9.30 to 10.15 in the, the room down the bottom, people would come and pray before our morning gatherings. We would love to invite all of you to that. Come along. Um, and we're beginning to pass off some stuff that we've kind of just held for a little while to make it function. Um, some of that will come out over the next little while, but we've asked Jazz and Ali, who lead worship sometimes, to just take worship off our hands. Um, and 
My, yeah. Um, and so you may see more things getting passed around as time goes on. Um, and so coming back to everyone gets to play. And as we started this, we can't plan or program or come up with a great strategy for the Nen Valley. And even if we could, I'm not interested in doing it. And um, in modern church practices, as the church leader, you're told to come up with all the great plans and great ideas. But my last point is simply this. We don't have and don't want all the great plans and ideas. But those great, the, the plans that God has might be in this room sitting with you. Um, and just some scriptures that keep coming up. One is Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I think for some of us, we hold fears that we've tried things before and they haven't worked. Or I've tried to talk to this neighbor or that neighbor or that work colleague and it hasn't worked. Is the Lord putting those people on your heart again? I think the challenge for some of us is to forget the former things. Forget some of those conversations that didn't work. Because actually we think the Lord is doing some new things. The reality for the Nen Valley is our communities are not beyond the reach of Jesus. But this next bit is key. And this one, I, I can't escape this scripture at the moment. It just keeps coming and coming. It's in the book of Zechariah. Uh, and Zechariah the prophet is talking to the high priest Joshua. And there's this, this string of temple imagery about rebuilding the temple. And in the middle of that is this, in Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. If you were hoping for something more exciting than what we shared this morning, I don't know, hopefully not, but if you were. Then um, the good news is we're all relying upon the Holy Spirit for those exciting things. John had a word last week just about the Holy Spirit giving us some fresh imagination things. And maybe that's you. And maybe over the coming year, that will be a reality for you. We also had lots of words around new wine last week. Um, and that, you know, the, the crushing process that it takes to create wine. Um, I don't know, but I imagine it as a grape being crushed isn't very comfortable. And for some of us, I think God might have some reshaping and crushing of us to do. The good news is, if he's doing it, it's to make you into new wine. But the question for us, and this is the question for the church often, is if the Lord has new wine for us, how do we avoid putting that new wine into an old wineskin? So, We'll end here. We would, if you have ideas and thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to get involved with stuff, we would love to hear from you. Some of those things are way simpler than you think. I was talking to someone the other day who was thinking of, uh, they'd been out walking their dog and came across a woman who was just 
wandering around because she was alone. And they'd had this thought, well, should we just, what if we just started a walking group just to engage the lonely? And you might go, well, that's not very spiritual. But what does the Psalms say? God puts the lonely in families. If you've grown up in a more Pentecostal tradition like I have, you think the kingdom of God is all about signs, wonders, healing, miracles. That is a part of it. But it is so much more than that. And maybe actually the reality is we don't even need to start some things. Maybe we need to go to some things. Maybe there's a running club. I'm not going to join a running club. Maybe you want to join a running club. <laughs> um, but maybe there are places, if you, you recognize, and this is the, the difficulty for Christians often, is because we, are, we, we live in these communities and try and be in these communities that our weeks consist of uh, going to small group and a small group and a Bible study and maybe a prayer meeting and then it's Sunday and then we might have gone to the shop maybe to talk to somebody. But you can go your whole week without really engaging anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And if all of your friends know Jesus, time to find some new friends as well. Don't suck, don't suck off the old ones. They're fine too. <laughs> but time to find, you know, just be around people who don't know Jesus. Um, so, you know, next week, Simon's going to come and talk a little bit about some of the, the next steps you might want to take. We're going to talk about the, some of the finance stuff. Um, but I want to finish this week's message similarly, in a similar vein to last week, which is just that observation that actually in all of the, these things that we could do, God is our provision. He has provided, and I have no reason to believe that he won't provide over and over and over again. But there is a bit of a challenge for us, which is this, John 10, 27. Jesus says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Should we pray? And we'll see what the Lord might want to do. Let's encourage you, to, if you're able, to stand. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church. <laughs>